Good morning to you all. Welcome to um, our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Tuesday morning, April 6th. We're beginning a new series now. My name is Tom Short, and we're, I'm excited to have you along. We are beginning a new series now. We began, uh, we've recently looked at the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ about his deity. We looked at the week that changed the world, and I hope you had a great holy week as we examined and looked at some of the great events that went on during that time, and indeed it was and remains the week that changed the whole world. So I hope you had a great uh, holy week and Resurrection Sunday. You know, a theme for this year that I've been wanting for us to have is that as Christians, we would be better Christians. I really do think that the church has, the, the reason church attendance is declining, church membership is declining, church influence is declining, secularism is on the rise, atheism is on the rise, agnosticism is on the rise, at an alarming rate amongst our young people, an alarming rate. Um, we recently, get, and Gallup recently reported that for the first time ever in their recordings, less than 50% of Americans claim to have a membership in a church, synagogue, or mosque. It's traditionally been around 70%. As late as the year 2000, it was up around 70%. And in the last 20 years, it has dropped dramatically now to less than 50%, down to 47%. It's a dramatic change going on in our culture. Well, there's a lot of things we can't control, aren't there? You can't, we can't control Hollywood. We can influence maybe. We can't control our government. We can't control the public education is going to be secular. It's going to do what it's going to do. Some of the things that are influencing young people away from faith in God and specifically faith in Jesus, there's, not, there's some things we can't control, but there's some things we can control. We can control us. We can control how we live. We can control our families. We can have great influence in our churches, can we not? And so one thing I'd like to look at here is I think we need to be better Christians. If we want to win the next generation, if we want to have influence in our country, if we want to save our country, we need, from secularism, radical secularism, we need to be better Christians. And so I'm beginning a series here that are that will be called The Commands of Christ, Discipleship, Jesus taught, go and make disciples of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to do all that I've commanded you. Discipleship means that we are obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. I'm curious, how many commands of Christ do you think you could come up with off the top of your head right now? Do you think you could come up with 5, 10, 20, 30? We'll probably be spending the next seven, seven or more weeks looking at commands of Christ in the New Testament and how we can be applying them in our lives today. You know, command, it, it's so important, isn't it? Jesus said in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. This is the way we show our love for God. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, the one who says he loves God and yet does not keep his commandments, are you ready? He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Boy, we don't want that to be said of us, do, it, do we? So let's jump right into this. The first command of Christ that I want to talk about is the first command he gave. Do you know what it is? 
The first command Jesus gave is found in each of the Gospels, but, uh, or each of the Synoptic Gospels, but I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into the Galilee preaching the gospel of God, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the first command Jesus gave. Repent. Repent. You ever heard, when was the last time you heard that word? Is that word common in, in uh, gospel presentations you've heard? Is that word common in, in calling people to salvation today? It seems like often our gospel salvation call is come and be healed, come and be better, come and be fulfilled, come reach potential, things of this nature. Now, some of those things are true. They're not necessarily wrong, but the message that Jesus gave, repent, repent. What's that word mean? Literally, the Greek word is metoneia, and metoneia means to literally means to perceive afterwards. The implication is that you look back and you consider where you are, where you've come from, what you've done, what you've believed, what you've thought, and you perceive afterwards that this is not right that you have been wrong, that you need to change. The implication throughout Scripture and repentance is that there's some remorse over, over where you've been, what you've done, what you've thought, what you've believed. Repentance could be the Pharisees need to repent of their pride and self-righteousness. This is the most common thing people need to repent of today, their pride and self-righteousness. But it also often relates directly to specific sins, repenting of of, of an adultery or fornication or, or repenting of lying or cheating or theft or whatever, that, that breaking of God's commandments. And indeed, the law, the law of God, the commandments of God are given, Paul tells us, to lead us to Christ, to reveal to us our sinfulness, to, create, to bring about the conviction of sin so that that might lead to a repentance in our lives. This was the message, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand, repent. This is the first commandment Jesus gave us. Well, was he alone in that? No. Let's look at some others real quick. In, in, well, we'll start with what Jesus taught the disciples. After his resurrection in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47, Jesus had appeared to the disciples and he said, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and rise again on, from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. What was his message? Repentance in the name of Jesus Christ should be preached to all the nations. What is that? Repentance. Need, you need to change. You need to come back. You need to, you need to change paths in life. Was this the message of the apostles? Yeah. Look at Peter. The very first message ever preached was in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And after Peter preached the life of Christ and the people were convicted that they had killed the Messiah and rejected the Messiah, they said in Acts chapter 2, what shall we do? And Peter's answer, verse 38, Peter said to them, repent. Repent 
and be and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was his message to these Jews who had crucified Christ. Repent. You crucified the Messiah. What can you do about that? You've, you've cut off your hope. You killed the Son of you killed the Messiah. Son of God, what can you do about it? Repent. Perceive afterwards. Wow, we were wrong. Oh God, we're sorry. Oh God, forgive. What can we do? God, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Later, when they had not repented, in Acts chapter 3, Peter preached the same message. Look in verse 19. He's preaching the gospel, and he says, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away, and in order the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Again, this message. So Peter was preaching to the Jews. You need to repent. And some people wonder, well, is this just a message to the Jews and not to the Gentiles? Well, not according to Paul. Look in Acts chapter 17 and verse uh, 20, 29, verse 30. Acts 17 and verse 30. Here, Paul is preaching on Mars Hill, and he's preaching to a Gentile audience. And he says, therefore, as he's preached about, he's given the gospel to them, and he calls them to make a decision. What's the decision? Come be fulfilled. Come be happy. Come have a better life. Come be receive inner healing. No, his message was this. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to everyone, declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. This is God's message. What's it say? He's overlooked the times of ignorance and God is now declaring to men that all everywhere must repent. What does repentance look like in the mind of Paul? Look in Acts chapter 20, and he, well, 20, and he, he says it again, Acts 20 and verse 20. This is 2020 vision. Are you ready? I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This was his message, repentance towards God a change of heart towards God, a change of mind towards God, a change of a regret, shall we say, of, of having neglected God, having disobeyed God, having not been in the way of God. Acts 20, 20 excuse me, 26, Paul further describes what does repentance look like. And he gives, a, a, beginning with verse 17, Acts 26, verse 17, rescuing you from the Jewish people. And this is the heavenly vision. This was his call. This was when Jesus called him to ministry. And he says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles, verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's what he was called to do. To call, He was called to call... He was commissioned by Jesus to call people from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, to turn to God, to come to God. Verse 28, he's speaking, Paul's explaining, so therefore, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to this heavenly vision, 
but kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. This was the message. This was the message Jesus gave us. This was the message Peter preached. This was the message Paul preached. Sadly, it seems to be missing in our day, a genuine call to repentance. I heard one very prominent preacher, he's passed away now, but a very prominent preacher in years past say that, that the gospel makes good people better. Sounds could could well, I hopefully makes you better, but it makes it what it does, the gospel makes sinful people alive, dead people alive. It makes sinful people holy. It makes people who were on the path of destruction onto the path of life. The gospel transforms us. The gospel doesn't just uh, make us better. The gospel makes us alive. The gospel message calls us to repent. This is the first commandment of Jesus. Repent. Turn to God. Perceive your error. Perceive your sinfulness. Perceive you're on the wrong path. And switch paths. Get onto the path of life. Get, Get out of the domain of darkness. Get into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Repent is the first commandment Jesus gave. I really believe that if we want to see revival in America, we've got to recover, rediscover this message where where the Christian faith calls people to repentance. You know, humanism tells us we're all basically good. The secular humanism that we real that we're really we're fighting against, that's in this cultural battle we're in is secular humanism we're all basically good scripture says we're all sinners the humanism says because we're good we just maybe need to change the government a little or change the economy or get educated christianity says we need a new birth we need a new life we need salvation this is a fundamentally different view sadly you know you preach this gospel some people will be afraid you're going to offend people the gospel does offend people but it gives hope. It offends people in the same way if you go into the doctor and says, you got cancer. Hope this doesn't offend you. You got cancer. Now let's take care of it. Let's deal with it. Let's, let's, let's get you better. The gospel tells us we're sick. The gospel message, the message of repentance tells us we're spiritually sick. We're in need of salvation. We're not in need of just uh, a more fulfillment. We're in need of salvation. Now to be clear, I'm not against telling someone you'll have an abundant life if you come to Christ. Uh, you'll be fulfilled. You'll be satisfied. He'll, get, he'll, he'll bless you. I'm not against saying that in its appropriate time and in some situations. But let's, let's be honest. Faithfulness to the commands of Christ, his first command, repent. Repent. Perceive afterwards, I have been wrong. I've been on the wrong path. I believe the wrong things. I I'm sorry about that. I'm on the wrong, going the wrong way. I need, I need to see a change. And tomorrow we'll talk about the only way that change is possible. Repentance, a change of heart. Tomorrow we'll talk about if you have that change of heart, what the solution is. But right now let's go to prayer and let's call out, call out to God that this message will resonate because I don't think we'll see a powerful church, mighty conversions, mighty conversions, life-transforming conversions if we don't call people to repentance. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you the kingdom of God is at hand. We thank you that Jesus came bringing us this new hope, this new opportunity, this new salvation. Jesus, we thank you that your gospel takes dead people and makes them alive. It takes lost people and saves them. It doesn't just take good people and make them a little better. It takes dead people and makes us alive. Thank you. Jesus, we confess to you that all of us are in need of repentance. All of us, Lord, have when we think of where you're at and your life and, and your ways, all of us need to say, wow, where have I missed it? Where have I fallen short? Where have I not seen the truth? Where have I not been walking in the ways of God? I pray, Father, that that we would model repentance whenever it's need whenever it need be modeled. And Father, we pray for your gospel message. We think, Lord, again, we've, we've been praying in our for a revival in our nation. We've been praying for the gospel to take root in our nation like, like it once did and hasn't in such a long time. We think of, I think, Lord, now of John the Baptist, who had such a ministry calling people to repentance. And what was his, what, what did he say his ministry? Make, he was the one to make ready the way of the Lord, to make his path straight that every ravine shall be filled up and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and all flesh should see the salvation of God. And Jesus, for that to happen, for that to happen, this message of repentance must be preached strongly, clearly, compassionately, lovingly, firmly, unwaveringly. How we pray you would raise up gospel preachers, men and women, Lord, who can declare your truth so powerfully, so articulately, so with such an anointing, calling people to repentance, calling people to turn to God, calling people to see their their lostness, to see their rebellion, to see their condition, and to turn to you with genuine repentance, genuine salvation. I pray, Father, that we, this is what we see in Scripture, this is what we see in revivals, this is what we see in revivals, Lord. This is, this is what transforms a life. This is where someone goes from, from uh, to, to, to being radically saved. We pray for radical salvations that would come from a radical repentance. Lord, help us to preach a good, clear, powerful, anointed gospel. We need it. We need it. Help us to say it. Again, we pray, raise up workers, laborers for the harvest field who'd preach a clear, strong, powerful gospel. Praise up, raise up people who would call our nation, our leaders, our, our people, our church leaders, our families, our business leaders, who'd call all of us to repentance. I think, again, of John the Baptist. He called the people to repentance, and he called Herod to repentance fearlessly. And I pray, Father, we would be like that. Make me like that. Make me like that more and more, we pray. Fearless proclaimers calling sinful people to repent and have faith in the true God. Tear down the idols of our culture. Tear down the self-righteousness. Tear down the, 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 the pursuit of, of sensuality and pleasure, the idols of our culture. 
might, might we repent of them and turn to you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. We pray to the Lord today, fill us with your spirit, your power, and your joy. Bless us as we follow you, as we walk in your ways. Open up doors of opportunity. Open up doors of witness, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask these things now. Amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining me. This first command. So we'll be going through the commands of Christ over the next several weeks. We'll be looking at this because a true disciple keeps the commands of Christ. A true lover of God keeps the commands of Christ. We want to do this. So thanks for joining me. Make sure you invite your friends. Post on social media. If you know, if you need anyone who needs to hear this message, make sure you can always, you know, you, you copy the YouTube link and you send it to them in an email or you post on your social media or however you want to communicate. Let's uh, be sharing this message with others. Thanks for joining me. God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow morning where we go through a second command of Christ right here. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.